0: all right hello and welcome just a family you are watching giving you something to talk about live tv i am your host melissa kretschler i'm an identity coach and a spiritual teacher and apparently i didn't turn my volume off (laughs) i am (laughs) Coming to you today on today's episode to talk about little kids' big trauma. For anybody watching or anybody catching the replay, please like, follow, and subscribe to the show on whatever social media platform you are engaging on. You can watch us live straight from the website. You can check out our blogs, everything that Just Alive has to offer. You can do that at justalivetv.com, and you can sign up for our newsletter and get, you know, like I said, all the updates on what we've got going on. We've got some exciting things coming. So go and take a look at that. Further to that, if you would like to take, if you would like to get in touch with myself or my co-host, you can do so. Our contact information is in the description of the video. All right, so that leads me to you, Marianne,
1: if you would like to introduce yourself. Thank you and hello to all our listeners. I'm Marion Nixon, I'm a positive mindset coach Uh, My background comes is is in complementary health, where I just very soon after I started working as an aromatherapist and a craniosacral therapist, I realized that good health actually starts in the mind and not the body. Mm -hmm. And through uh, specifically craniosacral therapy and later emotional freedom techniques, I learned about the impact of trauma and how that affects our minds and ultimately our bodies as well. And that has become my passion now, is helping people recover from even trauma that they don't know they've had, because not all trauma is big and dramatic. Sometimes it can be quite small and seemingly insignificant, but it leaves, particularly with children, it leaves them with a limiting belief about themselves or about how the world works. And they carry that until it can be changed.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And thank you for joining me today. Um, It's actually quite interesting. You and I both work in mindset. We we both work in, you know, healing those childhood traumas. And I challenge everybody watching this video. I did a TikTok before we went live to say, you know, um, all these things that we grew up hearing, how many of us or how many people are you and I helping who are trying to change that childhood trauma? How many adults are you and I working with today that are still experiencing one form or another of childhood trauma, whether it's something small, whether it's something large? I had, and I commented on it on yesterday's video, I had my own childhood trauma in school where my teacher wouldn't wouldn't allow me to be a part of the Halloween party unless I could do my times tables at the snap of a finger. And I played cards with my husband and my, and my stepson this weekend. And I lashed out because I went to go do math. And when I'm put on the spot doing math, I, my brain shuts down. Like it's automatic response. My brain shuts down. I get Very uncomfortable because then I feel stupid and I'm trying to figure it out and I can't because my brain won't work. And it's just this emotional response to a childhood trauma of my own. And you and I, being mindset experts, we notice that immediately. So we can change it immediately. But it just goes to show, even I still work on that, right? We still work on that daily. We're always trying to change or trying to heal those childhood traumas that some of them are done because of positive experiences some of them are done because of negative experiences but what we're dealing with as adults came from when
1: we were kids and people forget that it starts because well what happens is in early childhood the brain waves of the child are very slow. It's in theta mode, which is normally a sort of meditation state. Um, I like Bruce Lipton's description of it as the download mode
0: yeah.
1: and kids, obs- they, are, they take in what they hear, what they see and what they feel. Uh, in, in, in the feeling intent of what's going on around them. They're very perceptive, even though they may not have the verbal skills, To actually articulate things,
0: yeah,
1: and those and children learn by what they observe, and so whatever patterns of behavior, of speech, of um, dynamic interaction between parents, that becomes their blueprint for life. That's how people, adult people, do life, and they take that in, and they will reproduce it, unless. And that, for me, is always the good news. Is that it is now possible to change that blueprint? We're not stuck with it for life as it used to be the case.
0: Yeah. I created uh, something similar, actually. I created what I call the seven mindset pillars. And it's very similar. And it goes back to childhood where we have the seven most important aspects of our life we've got our self, our spirituality, our romantic relationships, our friendships, family, our career, and our finances, seven most important, right, for everybody. And so what I did was I created the system, and you have the pillars, right? And each pillar is filled up with all of these beliefs. Those beliefs are actually created when we're children, right? So as children, we create how we're going to acknowledge things, we create how we cope with things, we create beliefs on who we should be with, why we should be with that person, what our life should look like, what our finances should look like, our career. You know, if you're a child, and here's one of the first examples, if you're a child in older generations that your parents said, well, you can't be an artist because artists are starving and you're never going to make money. You need to be a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, right? And I know even my parents heard that growing up. And <clears throat> that lowers your self-worth if what you truly want to be as an artist. And then you'll go into one of those careers thinking, oh, you know, I have to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to be one of those starving artists. And you're not living true to yourself. And then when you're older, you base all the decisions based, like, off of that belief. And then you're unhappy. Then you're yeah. unhappy.
1: And that, also, and that ultimately leads to illness. Yeah. And... Um, I- Going back a while, I'm not sure if she's as well known now as she was when I was younger, Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who worked a lot with people who were dying. And she would, she was, and then there was also people who were diagnosed with a terminal illness and then they recovered. And she discovered that those people often changed their lives. They were the lawyer. They wanted to be the artist, and when they were told they had six months left to live, they ditched the lawyer bit and they went and became an artist. For and and in, by fulfilling their own innate um, who they are, they actually healed. Yeah, it doesn't. And and she had a number of stories, and the other other people have written it, um, also several stories things like that. Um, Bernie Siegel's another person who's written about people that recovered from being told they had a terminal illness by changing their lives and yeah. doing what what really fulfilled them. Yep. Uh,
0: I read a book.
1: Um,
0: I think it's the anatomy of a spirit and it's uh, a spiritual uh, medium. Um, Caroline West. Yes. So medical medium. And she said that exact, a similar story where a guy was a dentist. He, she told him, you have six months. If you don't change your life in the next six months, you're not going to survive. And he said, no, I can't, I can't, I can't change. And it was just so ingrained in him that he had to be this way and he didn't change and he did end up passing away. And it was it was quite a powerful story. I have many spiritual books and, and, you know, mindset books, but that one really left a lasting impression on me because you can have a beautiful life, you can have, you know, celebrities, uh, people in high profile positions, people who are in, you know, revered positions or respected positions such as doctors and dentists and lawyers. And they might not be happy, right? They may be addicted to things, they might be, you know, trying to cope with with a lot of unhappiness in their life. And again, a lot of that goes to their childhood goes to them not acknowledging that this is not my identity. This is not who I am, or, or what I truly want. This is what I was taught I want.
1: And there's also an interesting thing around that, you know, talking about celebrities, people who make a lot of money um, and then either end up in disastrous personal lives or uh, lose it. You know, there's an old thing about people who win the lottery. Most of them end up with less money than they had before they won it. Um, That's because of money beliefs that are rooted in your parents beliefs around money and their and their experience if you heard your parents arguing about money all the you know f- quite frequently why would you want as a small child why would you program yourself to want money because it all it seems to do is cause arguments and so it becomes so as an adult it becomes a struggle to have money if you grew up hearing people saying oh rich people are um some version of bad. Then if you suddenly become rich, are you, you know, you, you get that internal struggle around, am I now a bad person? Yep. And the other side I found very interesting is from uh, Margaret Lynch, who's an emotional freedom techniques teacher. And she also says that when you earn more money than your parents did, it sets up an internal conflict because you're now richer than your tribe. <laughs> and that makes you different. And so you risk, you're at risk of being rejected. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that also becomes the reason why, even if, if you have access to money, you're earning a lot of money, you don't keep it. You know, you spend it or you blow it on stuff for also um, some disaster happens and you you know, you, you lose that, you lose your income or something. Yeah. Because we've got that internal conflict around how much money is permissible to earn through yeah. what we learned as children.
0: No, you know what? I agree. I agree with points of that. So I agree there are, there are a lot of people I had one half of my family was, was well off and, they were rude and they were just, they were not very nice people. And so I did create that belief that, you know, mm-hmm. people who had more money were snobbish were I created that belief and I had to release yeah. that belief as I got older. And as I met more people who were in better financial situations than I were. Right. I still find that there are a lot of down to earth people who don't have a lot of money Versus people who do, but again, that was because of my belief, and that's who I found. Right? Um, <clears throat> with celebrities, I I I would disagree on that, and the reason is is because in my belief, when it comes to high profile positions and people who are um, in those positions where they seemingly have it all, and they're making it, and they're you know they're thriving and surviving they're actually not happy. And I don't think there, there are so many variations as to why that I can't just, I can't get on the idea that they, that it would be strictly from their childhood and their parents. They're not living authentically to them. So for anyone in my perspective, for anyone, it, you know, a lot of your unhappiness, it does come down to you. 90 90 to 95 percent of your reality is based on your thought processes so if you're not happy with where you are it it comes down to you you the the other five to ten percent is other people's actions other people's um behaviors you can't control that that's out of the control or if you get hit by the life bus that's you can't control that but At the same time, 95% of your your reality is based on your own mindset. So you think back and say, okay, what did I want to be as a child? What did I want to do as this? You can get to celebrity. But right before we went on, um, I was watching ABC News. They were live streaming on TikTok of Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's in, in trial today. And he's talking about his childhood and how he ended up getting into Acting and and what his family life was like, and none of none of the people in high profile positions are have escaped, you know, negative childhoods. None of them have. Oh, escaped not, yeah. None, negative, no, nobody right? has. yep yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a guarantee. But a lot of times, I find and and my ideal clients, like my the people that I work with, majority are high profile individuals who aren't happy, and it's because they don't feel like they can express that they can't they they're they're held to a higher standard than everybody else because oh you've got this and you've got that and I don't have that and what do you have to complain about and so I'm going to get on that topic when we look at celebrities if they start complaining about something most people's first reaction is what do you have to complain about You've yeah. got it so easy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the same but thing. They still got to live with themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's the same thing we tell our children, right? Mm-hmm. We as adults, we as parents will turn around and tell our children, you have it easy. You didn't have this happen. You didn't have that happen. You don't know. I, um, pardon my language, but I grew up in the F, F around and find out era, right? You, you test those waters, you're going to find out what happens, right? And that's not what it is nowadays. And so even my husband and I, we've said, you know, you have it easy. What do you have? Like, why are you upset? And the problem is, is that as we forget as parents, that children have it hard. Children have it worse than adults, but we don't remember it. (laughs) we've gotten to a point where we don't remember what it was like when mom and dad were fighting and we're sitting in the corner questioning whether or not that fight is about us. Right. We internalize that children internalize absolutely yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, mm-hmm. we teach or we treat celebrities the same way we treat children. And that's not mm-hmm. okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause Children are absorbing everything that goes on around them. And that kind of get, and they use that to learn how to cope with life. And if they're continually you know, exposed to aggressive behavior, even if it's not aimed at them, because they, small children in particular, haven't have really got a concept of themselves as separate as entirely separate from their family because they are they're dependent on their parents because without them, it would be very hard to survive. And when they're very small, they, and survival would be impossible.
0: Yep.
1: So they have to they have to believe that the parents are there for them, even when they're not. Yeah. And so it becomes, so if anything goes wrong, if things aren't happening the way that they, they, they needed to happen, they're going to they're going to immediately think they're wrong, because to think that their parents are wrong and are not there to support and nurture them threatens their survival. Yeah. So the problem has to be themselves.
0: Yeah, everything. I, I everything children see, everything that they witness, they put on themselves. But at the same time, I've noticed a lot of parents who are taking it to another extreme children nowadays aren't learning coping skills they're not learning that it's okay to have arguments it's okay to not have money it's okay to be stressed out it's okay to cry it's okay to be angry I walked into my daughter's room the other day she was raging mad at me uh, because I took away her phone and um one of my You know Tori, who's commenting in the comments, and I love her girl. She asked me to share this story specifically because it means something. Is my daughter was mad, raging mad at me, and I walked into her room and I said, "You have every right to be angry with me. You have every right to whatever emotion it is that you're going through right now, and you have every right to express those emotions." I'm not going to tell you you can't be mad. I'm not going to tell you that you can't scream in your pillow and. Give me dirty looks, fine. But you need to understand two things. One, you are not allowed to take that out on me. I don't take my anger out on you. So that needs to be reciprocated. You need to learn how to cope and control and process your emotions. That's on you. I said the second part is that you're angry with me because I gave you a clear set of requirements in order to keep your phone. You chose, you made the choice to take that and disregard it. It said, so I'm following through. I'm committing to what I said I was going to do. And I'm following through with you. And I'm the punishment stands." I said, so you need to take accountability and responsibility for your actions. Know that I did what I said I was going to do. And learn how to control and process those emotions that you're feeling without taking them out on me and getting yourself in more trouble. Because if you come at me, I'm going to snap back and it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> because I am bigger and badder than you will ever be. Right. And it's making sure that they understand they have that ability. When we're children, we are creating our identity. The first 20 to 25 years of our life, we are creating an entire set, like the mm-hmm. seven mindset pillars. We are creating yeah. an entire system of beliefs that's going to carry us throughout our lifetime. We're building yeah. it in those first 20 years. And in those first 20 to 25 years, we are being tested on everything. Children are being tested on coloring in between the lines, their fine motor skills, Driving skills, talking skills, walking skills, skills, riding a bike, everything is their learning. And mm-hmm. so yeah. for, for children, we as adults think, oh, it's little problems, right? Because they're just little kids. Those are traumatizing issues for those
1: little human beings. Yeah. Because, well, particularly when the, I mean, it's a situation when the emotion is overwhelming. And the younger the child, the more overwhelming a big emotion is. Yeah. So it can be that, you know, the child falls off their trike. And, you know, they go over a bump and they fall off it and they get a fright and they cry and the parent picks him up and says, you know, nothing's broken, nothing's hurt. Um, calms the child down, puts him back on the trike and off they, they go. But it can leave an, a lasting impression that at a, um, I'm thinking of a case study I came across when I was studying was of that situation. and the adult child was he was driving and there was um, what do you call it, a near miss, it wasn't actually an accident, it was almost an accident, but it didn't happen. And they would continue driving down the road. And eventually, after a little while, he pulled off because he was shaking so much, he couldn't drive. Yeah. And his companion yeah. said, to him, what, you know, the accident didn't happen. Why, why are you reacting like this? And he remembered that childhood accident. And he was actually, the shaking, and that was carrying out the, the shock that he had as a child that had been re-triggered in this adult experience. Yeah. And that, that, that happens even sometimes we're not even aware of it, uh, of, of what the original thing was, because it was such a minor incident at, at the time, except for this overwhelming emotion that happens. Yeah, And the, 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 one of the story, the, the kind of anecdotal things that I use to explain this when I'm uh, giving workshops is imagine a little child playing outside, finds a pretty feather or pretty flower or something and comes running in and saying, mommy, mommy, look what I found. And mommy's just finished washing the kitchen floor. And it's a job she hates. And she's just standing there thinking, oh, I've done it. And now this child runs across it in these muddy footprints. And, in, so, and instead of seeing what the child has brought in, she says, look what you've done. And the child freezes. And it can, And in that one sentence can take on, it's not safe to share happy things with pretty things with mom. It's not safe to kind of express my my excitement when I find something pretty. Um, and a, a more obscure a more sort of bizarre one would be it's not safe to run across the kitchen floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, there's all sorts of different things or just I'm a bad child, a bad person. I've all of that out of a seemingly mundane incident.
0: No, I agree. It is. And it's there's people out there who would probably question then, what am I supposed to do as a parent? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to talk to my children, or how am I supposed to discipline my children or teach them right for wrong? And I would say, remember that they're tiny adults. Like, children are going to be adults. Our job isn't to dictate to them, our job is not to. Make them into minor little replicas of who we are. Our job is to care and nurture for them as they grow into who they're supposed to be. And for my children, I want to make sure they're happy. I want to make sure they're healthy, that they're confident in their identity, that they can go out in the world and take care of themselves and make choices and not need me to hold their hand the entire way, right? You can be upset so like coming in with the with the dandelion and the flower and getting the mud on um my first reaction was would be that's beautiful it looks great Mm -hmm. on that other hand and then i would follow it up by going did you notice that that mom just finished cleaning the floors and they'd be like i'd be like can you help me finish cleaning it now that you've made a little bit of a mess right and make them responsible not make yeah. them accountable for your reaction.
1: And and not to make it something bad, but just oh look, you've you know you've left some muddy footprints. Let's, you know, will you help me clean it up? Yeah. So it's it's not something bad, it's just something about taking responsibility for your actions. And also something I oh, I think I was in my 20s when I met a couple who when they disciplined their child. And they always—they never did it in public. If they were in a group setting, they always took the child out of the group to to a private, you know, place. And they also always explained why. You know, we told you to do this, and you didn't do it, and therefore, you know, this is the consequence. And I remember seeing—he was walking down the passed away in the garden one day crying her eyes out and somebody said to her what's wrong she said my mommy spanked me be, be, and then but immediately followed that with because so she knew exactly why she'd been spanked mm-hmm. and I and I that made such an impression on me because I thought she will it's and and also her parents were were um, they also explained to the group that we were in at the time of so training course and we were there that they don't ever spank in anger. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing is not to retaliate to, with, you know, to respond to kids in a, an emotional outburst. Yep.
0: And because that's not a response. I, I always explain it this way, and, and especially when you're dealing with children, that is a very valid and important point is the difference between your reaction and your response. For children, they react. Everything a child does is a reaction until you teach them the difference. It is a reaction, right? Where a reaction is an emotional instinct. And that's the reaction right? You're, you're responding or reacting emotionally. When you respond, it's from a logical standpoint. So you're actually thinking about what you want to say before you do it. You're thinking about your actions before you do it. And it's not a knee-jerk reaction that you're going to possibly regret later. Children And it's, are and it's not, not
1: an emotional dump either.
0: Yep. Children are constantly in an emotional state. So if we as parents react, right? And you think even toddlers, right? A toddler is going to, when they, when they throw a fit, when they cry because they don't get their way, that's an emotional reaction, right? They're in that emotion. They don't know how to process that emotion yeah. so that they can calm themselves down. They need to learn to self-soothe. They need to learn to um, relax and remove the emotion and then logically process If as parents, we just react right away, and we don't teach that goes, Mm -hmm. I was, I've told my husband, teach, don't preach, you need to explain the situation, you need to explain it to them. So they learn not so it's just like, I told you this, you have to do it without any explanation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I found that what works with my daughters is my, my boys are older now. So I don't really have to do it. They just know momo whoop them if they don't, but (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, my two younger daughters there, they know I will ask them nicely. I'm not on, I'm not on them 24 seven. I, you know, and as much as it irritates my, my husband, but I say, you know, I need you to do this and I'll ask them nicely, right? Just in passing, I need you to do the cat litter or whatever. And If they don't do it, I ask them second time and I say, hey, you know, I've already asked you once, if I have to ask you again, this is the punishment. Like this is the consequence if I have to ask you again and not necessarily punishment, but the consequence. And the third time I ask, I say, okay, you know, I'm I'm annoyed now, I've had to ask you three times, give me your phone or no dessert after dinner or whatever the, the consequence is, right? And I found that that, for the most part, has worked to get them to understand that one, I'm going to be consistent. Two, I'm going to try to remain calm as much as I can and hold you responsible for your choices. And that's what children that is
1: such a such an important lesson mm-hmm. to know. You know that to become responsible for your choices. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that- another that- lesson. Another lesson for children is you're not actually fighting me. (laughs) You're fighting yourself. When we tell our children no to something that might hurt them or or what have you, right? I've had a discussion with my daughter where I'm like, "I'm, I'm fighting you. You want something. And I'm telling you that you need to do this in order to get it. You choose not to. You're not fighting me. You're fighting yourself because you're not giving yourself what you want because you're not doing what you need to do. Life is all about that. Whether we're a business owner, whether we're, you know, when you become an adult, you have rules to have to follow. As a business owner, I still have rules to follow while they're my own rules or the rules that I put into place for my business. I still have those rules, those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. children do need to learn that maybe, but they need also to learn how to express themselves in a healthy way. Yeah. They need to learn how to process, cope, and mellow out those emotional response or reactions. Mm-hmm. And they need to learn how to process the experiences they have, because every experience, like we said at the beginning of this video, is a big experience.
1: One, yeah, when the, the, small, the smaller the child, the, the more overwhelming the, their emotional responses are to them because they don't they haven't learned that regulation. I'm fine. As, as they get get older, it beca- they they well hopefully learning from their parents to regulate okay. their emotions. I and have, then again, you have
0: teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I found, um, I'm going to do a quick mid-episode mid, um, mid episode promen- promotion. So I was just writing down what I wanted to say. Um, for anybody watching live or catching the replay, please go like and follow the show on all of our social media platforms. Whatever, you're, whatever you engage on, you can find us just a live TV. If you would like to subscribe to our newsletter and catch our blogs, our episodes, the replays, or if you'd like to catch our new mini episodes that are going to be coming up within the next month, please go subscribe to our newsletter at justalivetv.com. You can also watch the show live straight off of the homepage, Monday to Friday at 2pm Central Standard Time. This episode is sponsored by A Phoenix Identity, helping you heal those childhood traumas. Go check them out at aphoenixidentity.com. Um, We do have a comment. So parents must realize that words do hurt and can have a long, long long-term effect on the child. So when disciplining your children in anger, it is very important to choose your words wisely. Yes. Thank you for reminding me about that, that one as well. So talking about teens, I've noticed, and I'll I'll get to that comment in a second. I've noticed that I, when I first started my coaching practice six years ago, I had experienced a few things with my own teen at the time and with other teens that I was seeing in, in different aspects. I was, excuse me, doing spiritual readings and life coaching at that point. And I met up with a few teenage girls and they were devastated. They were so depressed. They had no coping skills. They were emotionally in, uh, like unstable. And it was because, when you hit that, so from, let's say zero to 12, from zero to 12, you're building, you know, your, your frame of learning, right. And how you learn what you learn. That's just, that's the starting point, right? All of those walking, talking, brushing your hair, being able to shower yourself, all of that is between zero and 12. When you hit 12, that's where all the big changes start happening. Friends change school changes um popularity begins you have different scenarios kids are getting to into drugs alcohol sex it, and it's getting earlier and earlier and you've
1: got your own internal hormonal shifts so exactly kind of
0: so huge. 12 to 18 is quite the traumatic experience because you know that's when they're learning that friends don't stay friends and Girlfriends don't stay girlfriends, and boyfriends and girlfriends don't stay together. And you got relationships thrown in there now, and so you've got such an amazing event going on, like continuous event from like twelve to eighteen, and it's so hard if they don't have an idea. Like it's, it's they're constant, and the mood swings, like you said, right? The mood swings of their, you know, their reproductive systems coming into play, and all of that. And then it's like, Whoa, (laughs) my daughter. Apparently
1: apparently also the brain physically rewires at that point as well in the, in that hormonal shift. Mm. Yep.
0: That's a huge time to be reinforcing the coping skills, the ability to process and learn. Now what Tori was saying is, you know, what the words we use for children when we're talking to our children, I, I do this again, I have, you know, my children are seven to 20, this, eight to 20 this year. So wow. I've got different ranges. And when I talk to them, I, I've said to my youngest, who's now eight, and she's, she's learning, mom's got a mom's got a temper. Um, but I'll tell her, I'll say, you know, I really don't like you right now. I don't like how you're behaving right now. I will love you always. And I unconditionally love you. And if you ask me for a hug, I'll give you a hug. But I don't really like what you're doing right now. And and the way that you're doing it. If my daughter who's 12 going on 13 does something that's absolutely stupid and irritating, and you're just like, dude, that's common sense. I turn to her and I'm like, I don't tell her that, you know, you're stupid. No, I say, you know what, you're really smart. That was a really dumb decision. Like what, what, why would you do that? Right? And it it's not putting it on her because she's not stupid. It was the behavior that was stupid, right? Like it's the whole, if your friends were all jumping off a cliff, would you do it too? Right. You're not a stupid child, but that was not a very smart decision. And you need to learn from that decision. Right. And so it is wording as well. We need to remember as parents and as adults, if we don't like to be talked to a certain way, yet we're talking to our children that way, that is hypocrisy. I could do an entire episode on my violent rage of hypocrisy. I cannot, I don't use this very often. I hate hypocrisy, hate it with a passion, stand it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that good, in terms of choosing words, it's very important. Yeah, to calm down before you react with kids, because it, when you're when you're emotionally aroused, it's harder to control what you say. And and when disciplining kids, it's very important to not do it in that moment of heightened anger. Yes, you know you may still be angry, but if you if you're able to contain your anger and speak calmly. And choose your words rather than that emotional outburst. That that's the what is so damaging. Yeah.
0: I if I texted
1: make you make me angry is also very you know that they they don't they've triggered something in you.
0: Yep. Yeah. Our emotional reactions are our own beliefs. Absolutely, 100%. If I message if I text my daughter right now and said what do I say when I'm angry her first response will be, and I do it to my husband. So I do it in my, in my marriage, I do it with my children. I do it with other people where I not necessarily other people. Sometimes I just fly off the handle with other people, but with my family, if I'm triggered and I know that I'm triggered, I will say, listen, I'm really not in a good place because I can be absolutely volatile and vindictive when I am in an emotionally charged place and I'm feeling hurt, stupid or defensive, I will say and do anything I possibly can. with The goal of making you feel worse than I feel that is I am volatile and vindictive, but I've learned to control it. That's part of my shadow side that I deal with on a daily and I'm okay with it, Right. But the first thing I do, whether it's in my marriage or in my in my relationship as a mother is I'm in a really bad mood right now. I need to be left alone. Otherwise, I'm going to say or do something that I'm going to regret later. And the purpose of it is going to be to hurt you. And I really don't want to hurt you because I love you. I just need some time. So for my safety and your own safety, I need you to walk away until i'm ready to talk to you and that is every day my not every day my husband can't stand it my husband's a let's deal with it right now kind of person and i'm like no uh -uh. i will say something that doesn't like i am irrational when i'm angry uh yeah
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh we all are yeah yeah Mm. yeah that's a big one dealing with you know learning to to control anger and yeah and 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 to take time to calm down and not not to lash out in the moment
0: yeah and i think as children little kids doesn't matter how old they are right until they're 18 even older learning how to cope learning what their emotions excuse me first off and anybody watching this is this is your little checklist for today one understanding what their emotions are children need to learn what the different emotions are and what they feel like for them secondly is when a child is feeling an emotion you need to let them feel it and say you know what it's okay that you're angry you can be angry at me if you're sad it's okay to be sad if you're crying because you just stubbed your toe put yourself in that child's position (laughs) how would you feel if you were in that same position, you'd be upset. So allow them to feel that emotion. And then ask them, what can we do to quiet that emotion? What can we do to quiet it for a little bit? And whether that's taking five minutes for themselves, whether that is coloring in a coloring book, having a bath, you know, whatever that is, as long as it's not a toxic behavior, like eating a snack or because that leads to weight gain, not that leads to weight gain. Um, So a a productive, listening to music, having a dance party, you know, sitting by themselves, writing in a journal, whatever you can figure out that your child utilizes to calm themselves, get them to do that. Then sit them down and say, are you okay? Like, are, are we, are we calm now? And then once they're calm, you have that discussion. It's okay to feel that way. Yeah. What can we do to change it? And maybe, you know, uh, I focus on learning lessons, right? What's the lesson? How are you stronger? How are you smarter? How did this, how was this your your springboard? And I'm going to get into springboards at another time, but <laughs> springboard, <laughs> how did that springboard, right? How, did, how can you use that as a springboard so that you don't have to deal with it the next time?
1: sounds like you're an amazing mother
0: it took a while it took a while i you know what for the first i had a horrible relationship with my oldest until three years ago right it was up and down um when he was 13 he decided to move out of my home and move in with his father we didn't talk for three years um it was it was quite a struggle and i actually I became the way I am now when he left him leaving and us having no relationship that springboarded me into where I am now. And we have the most amazing relationship. he he tells me everything. I tell him things, you know, everything, but <laughs> we talk about <laughs> everything and I'm his confidant. Now I'm the person, mom, do you have any wisdom for me? Right. I need some help. I'm here. I've got you. Right. And it took me a long time to really understand that. And it's a process. Every child is different. Every, they're all unique. They're all different identities and, you know, just supporting them. And one of the things I I didn't get as a child, and I I just did a podcast on a contagious smile. So if anybody wants to listen to that, that I have up. Um, I did a podcast on a contagious smile. And I talked about being raised by an undiagnosed narcissist. I wasn't taught unconditional love as a child. Mm -hmm. Everything that I did was conditional. And I wanted my children first and foremost to know that no matter what you do, no matter where you are, I am, I love you. And I am here for you. If you are drunk or somebody else is drunk at 3am and you need a ride home because you want to be safe, I will growl get out of bed come and get you I will growl at you on the way home but I'm not mad at you I'm just tired <laughs> and emotional but I will come get you because your safety means more to me than my you know my sleep right
1: just yeah being mm-hmm. there that's very very special to, for kids to grow up with that kind of support
0: mm-hmm. Yep that's life is so hard now, especially with social media, with just everything that's going on, the amount of children, we don't realize but the amount of children that have committed suicide because of online bullying, because of, you know, they're not authentically living who they want to be because they're being ridiculed or they're being denied or rejected. And Mm -hmm. your children. I think
1: they're growing up to much faster than. Yeah. Well, at least my generation did i mean
0: absolutely
1: we and we played played games outside until 13 14 and um, <clears throat> yeah this whole kind of constant exposure constant connectivity um, kind of lifestyle comparisons it's yeah it's hectic yeah i,
0: I think the biggest thing whether they're small one they have to respect your authority my children respect my authority and know that i am the authority figure and if they mess with me it's they're not it's not going to end well right i have made sure that i am uh, they fear me more than anything else <laughs> because i've made it that way and no i have not beaten my children but i have let huh. them know that i am the authority figure <laughs> the one person they don't want to displease is mom um, but at the same time, I've also fostered the relationship that you can come with me over anything. You need to talk about something. I might go, Oh, I don't want to talk to you right now, but I still will. I will sit down and I will listen and I will give you my advice and I will allow you to bend and, and allow you to see things from different perspectives. If you keep that con that door open. Yeah. That you're going to be there no matter what and you're available for them when they need you, that will help them 10 times more than anything else will. Yeah, and that's not not judging as well. Like my daughter literally just tested me, texted me on this live saying, how long do drugs stay in your system for? (laughs) No, (laughs) no, no we're not going there. So she's going to have an earful. Like, why are you asking me that? What's what, why do I need to be answering that question right now? Right. Um, But she is, she's 12. She's in junior high and going through everything that's becoming, you know, earlier and earlier and earlier sex mm-hmm. is becoming earlier. Uh Everything. I think she had her first, she had her first sex ed class today. And I'm like, yay, let's, <laughs> let's, start this you don't you know i don't want her to be 16 and pregnant i don't want you know (sighs) there's so many lessons that we can help them but ultimately we can't make their decisions we can't pressure them doing things
1: but you yeah the important thing is as you are doing is teaching them consequences yeah that that they you know they learn well they may still make rash decisions but if they can at least most of the time make attempt to rash, make rational decisions as opposed to this emotional spur of the moment stuff and especially in helping a bit, them learn mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but i also wanted to say you know from look from the parental point of view there may well also be people who need to hear that everybody has issues, nobody's perfect. you're not get you cannot bring up a child without issues because they will interpret stuff their way. Yep. do the best and yep. if you know if you've got that unconditional love, you've done your best to teach them to to be responsible f- for themselves and to to think about their responses to things and to re- you know make good decisions. so much more that you can do
0: yeah. I, I love that. And I, I didn't even think to mention that. So thank you so much. Because that is true. We aren't perfect. None of us are perfect. We're not going to raise little perfect soldiers. We're not going to raise little perfect princesses. Everything and anything can go wrong when you are raising a child because your beliefs aren't going to be their beliefs. Right. Mm -hmm. You might not understand their beliefs. They might not understand yours. And that's a recipe for Mm
1: -hmm. the disease. Yeah. And however, you know, well, you try to handle situations. You can't get inside, particularly small kids who are too young to articulate where they're at. You don't know how they're perceiving things. And it might all look fine on the surface. But they might still take on some negative belief about themselves or about the situation Absolutely. and what's permissible, what they can or can't do. Um, and I say we all have a journey and they, you know they will have their journey. and as long as you have kept the communication open, there's not much else that you can you know you've given them emotional safety. You've taught mm-hmm. them responsibility and yeah you can only do your best
0: yep and for the rest there's people like you and I (laughs) who who help people heal those childhood traumas you know what I can say that Mm -hmm. I don't specifically do childhood traumas while that does I do the beliefs right and I've had Mm -hmm. clients where it was a positive experience right and a positive outcome But yet it created the most negative belief and mindset that created, you know, just self hatred. And so you, it doesn't matter, they're going to turn out the way that they turn out and their decisions, and the people that they become is are not because of you, I can blame a lot of, you know, my mannerisms and my, excuse me, issues on my parents but I, I don't, I, I don't blame me on them. I will hold them accountable for their actions and their reactions and, and what they're responsible for. But I made my own choices. I, yeah. I chose to do what I did as a child. I chose to be the person that I am today. I chose to change my mindset and, and do my own thing and follow that on, you know, uh, what, I would call myself a non-conformist, right? Because I didn't follow their teachings and their beliefs. I was the black sheep. I was like, dude, no, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And I was rejected for it. And I was ridiculed for it growing up. But look at me now. <laughs> I have my own talk show and three businesses. And, you know, I have a family who loves me. And I, I'm happy, right? And I wish them well. And I wish, you know, we are going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. It's what we do with those. I don't even believe in mistakes. Those, every time we fail or every time we have a setback, it's a springboard. And and I'm actually going to share it. So we have springboards, and you think of a gymnast, and that gymnast is running and they're just running and running and running. And right before they go to do the jump, they hit a springboard. That springboard has to go down before it launches them into the air. Right. So it launches them forward. Those negative moments, those negative thoughts, the negative beliefs, the negative experiences, those are springboards to say, nah, I'm learning from this. And it propels you forward. My situation with my son. And if anybody wants to hear from myself and my son, I actually have that on Facebook and YouTube. It's the very first video we ever shared. I did with my son. It was the very first episode and that was with my son and I, and that was a springboard. If that hadn't happened between my son and I, I wouldn't be here on this show. I wouldn't be helping other teens and other adults, you know, change how they express themselves and change those beliefs yeah. so that they can be happy. It's, Every one of those is a springboard to make you better, to make you smarter, to make you stronger. And if we teach our children that, you know, if they fall off their bike, that hurts. That absolutely yeah. hurts. And you help them dry their tears and you acknowledge that mm-hmm. that hurts. And then you say, you know what? If We try again. We keep trying again. You'll eventually get it. And you'll be a professional bike rider. And you get them back up and you build them up. And they learn yeah. that no matter how many times they fall, if they keep trying, they will eventually succeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's our job. Yes. Yeah. It's that and it's that being there for the kids. And and giving them that safe space to feel what they feel and to, yeah. to be, and yeah. their pain to be heard. Yeah. Cause that it, it's, it's in that validation yeah. that the healing happens.
0: Yeah. I I'm an adult. And if I tell you, if I, if I come to you and I say, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling really sad today. And they're like, Oh, whatever. I'm just like, Well, you obviously don't give a shit about me. I'm not coming to you again, right? And maybe we need to rethink this relationship, right? What do you think your kids feel? And again, I, I can't stress this enough. How often as adults do we react and we make changes to our relationships because we don't like the way that we're being treated? Think about how you're treating your children. Are yeah, you they, showing they, them they have an option? <laughs> yeah. Are you showing them the respect that you deserve as an individual, not as an adult, as a human being? Mm-hmm. Right? And it that's the biggest question. Are you showing them the respect that they deserve as a human being? Whether they're a child, an infant, a teen, an adult, it doesn't matter. They deserve. Love and respect. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. acceptance of where they are. Yeah. Right? You're and just who, and who, that,
1: who that yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yes. And and without that, it's very hard for them to form healthy relationships. Yep. And then they come
0: back.
1: Yeah, because you also need it's not only respecting other people, they learn to respect themselves.
0: Yep.
1: And um, without that self-respect, you end up in some really crazy relationships. Yep. And um and the same point, uh, And if you don't respect other people, yeah, you you also end up in some crazy relationships just on the other side of it, of the crazy.
0: <laughs> yep,
1: absolutely. If anybody wants to learn
0: how we as parents can empower our children. We do have an episode we did a few days ago called how to empower our children. And it's all about empowered children learn from empowered parents. Mm -hmm. And when you put that empowerment within yourself, you know, uh, we Mm -hmm. talk in that episode about being able to cry in front of your children, knowing that it's okay to have emotions, Um, knowing that it's okay to go to have struggles and stresses um, Tori commented, This is a subject that should be addressed more often because a lot of adults don't realize that their actions come from childhood trauma. And it's true, yes. childhood trauma mm-hmm. will stay with you until you learn what it means. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what you I and I in,
1: in, in, in my Yeah, I mean, in, in, on my website, when I talk about my work, I don't often actually talk about childhood trauma, but when I'm actually working with people, that's what I'm dealing with. Yes. Be- and I do that because yeah. a lot of people don't understand, as, as that person said, they don't understand that their own emotional reactions to things are coming out of child- their childhood experience. Yeah. And so I deal with what, whatever their current issue is and in unpacking that, we will usually find where the pattern comes from and be able to to resolve that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm.
0: All right. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we end this episode?
1: No, I think we've covered a lot. (laughs) We
0: did. We definitely did. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. I really enjoyed this episode. And Tori is right. It is... It is a topic that a lot of people need to hear and understand.
1: Mm, uh, it's it's one that's very close to my heart. Having good, uh, as like you had to sort out some childhood trauma for myself, yeah, I am very very aware of how much it needs to be addressed. But, yeah, and even and thank you children. for giving me this opportunity to talk about it. You're very welcome.
0: All right, just a family. Well, I like to say thank you for joining us on this episode. If you would like to be a co-host, if you would like to be a guest co-host, a guest blogger, or if you'd like to sponsor an episode or see a topic featured on the show, please reach out to us at at tv.com. You can also reach us through our multiple social media platforms. You can find us through Just Alive TV, or you can head to the website at justalivetv.com and reach out through there. You can find all of the episodes there, all of our sponsors, as well as our podcast, and our blog. We are going to be rolling out mini episodes where they are 15 to 30 minute episodes rather than an hour. They are not live. They will be pre-recorded. So sign up for our newsletter on the website to be notified when that goes live. Also, we will be having merch coming shortly. So that is another exciting opportunity. For anybody watching, this episode is sponsored by Phoenix Identity. If you would like to learn how to deal and process your childhood trauma your thoughts and beliefs and recreate your life based on your expression go check out a phoenix identity at a phoenixidentity.com all right well again marian thank you very much i have
1: absolutely loved this episode thank you it's been really enjoyable to talk with you and maybe we can do it again sometime Maybe.
0: All right. Well, just a family, thank you again for joining us. I am Melissa Kretschler, your host, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.